The skeleton that I've put in the background represents our listeners. Oh, okay. <laughs> so everyone that we're that's listening to us, we can, you know, it's good to imagine them, to personify them so that, you know, we feel like we're actually talking to an audience as we're talking. So to do that, I've got a skeleton that I've put some pants on. Um, <laughs> his name is Manny. He has an I voted for, like, an I voted sticker on him. Has he always had that? Since 2016. Oh, my God. Okay. If someone ever comes to, like, knock on my door or, like, walk by for whatever reason, they're going to see this spooky skeleton. Are they going to think I'm weird, Fox? Um, I don't think they're going to care. Like, you see people with, like, Halloween decorations left up in, like, July. But you know what? Skeletons are, like, they're everlasting, okay? Like, they're not seasonal. I mean, they're always around, right? Welcome to free Wi-Fi, Skeleton Manny. <laughs> While your dances are appreciated and they're great, I don't think anyone but me is going to see them. Oh. And, you know, just because we have Manny as an audience surrogate. He doesn't have eyes. He doesn't have eyes. He's got ears, but doesn't have eyes. Important thing with this skeleton, no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no eyes, just ears. Okay, welcome to free Wi-Fi. It's a workshop podcast where we make games and goops. And ghouls. I'm Catherine Fox. And today we're talking about, well, not games evidently. I guess we're talking about skeletons and stuff. Well, you're the one that brought the skeleton, okay? I I wasn't prepared for that. You've been playing Persona recently, right? The anime. Yes. What? Yes. Okay, so you've been playing Persona recently. I don't Uh know really anything about Persona. I've just watched a bunch of people play through it. Okay. Do you cook in Persona? Yes. You can. Are you good at cooking in Persona? I've only done coffee, but you can cook curry, and I'm sure you can unlock other stuff in the future. Okay, because I was trying to figure out which video game characters are good at cooking and which video game characters are decidedly bad at cooking. Like, some things are really easy, right? Like, Kirby with hat, good at cooking. Kirby without hat, bad at cooking. Wait, what? Explain this. Like, Kirby eats the powers, right? Yeah. So if Kirby has a chef hat, Kirby's right. good at cooking. Okay, so a chef If Kirby hat. doesn't have the chef hat, Kirby's good at eating, but not good at cooking, right? Similarly, Luigi's good at cooking, for sure, for sure. Wait. Mario's bad at cooking, Why? Sure. How do you know this? Look at the two mustaches, right? Luigi's mustache is, like, finely shaped. A lot of care and effort put into that, right? Mario's mustache, Mario lets the mustache go sort of, like, more natural, right? It's more, it's more bushy. It's more rounded uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah. And that relates to cooking because that shows that <laughs> Luigi prepares and thinks a lot about the image. So the dishes are going to look really nice, right? Also, when you're in the kitchen, you have to wear like a hairnet and he probably uh-huh. keeps it nice and like trimmed so he doesn't get hair in the food. Why are you trying to determine what, which video game characters are good at cooking in that? Because our quest here is to understand video games. And to understand video games, you got to understand how things are made. And you also have to understand the people inside of the video <laughs> games. Wait, what? So who do you think is good at cooking? So like Cloud Strife. Oh, no, he's terrible at cooking. That's what I thought. I, I'm definitely with you there. That's easy mode, though. Easy mode. How about we go a little bit harder? Bloodborne. There we go. Bloodborne. Uh, Lady Yarna. Yar- Yarnum. La- the, the Bloodborne Queen Yarnum? Queen, Queen Yarnum. Good at cooking? Um, 
Hard to say, but um, I think Garmin is probably really good at cooking because he... Is he the tall guy? With like... He's the final boss, um, mm. if you don't unlock the moon present- presence. He's also the guy in the wheelchair in the house kind of telling you like, eh, don't worry about the plot, just go kill things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he tries to kill you at the end with a giant scythe. But I think he's, I think he would be really good at cooking because he originally made the doll. So he's very like crafty. crafty. Like yeah. he's very, he's very, he has a lot of attention to detail and he puts a lot of care into his work. So I would assume he's good at cooking because he's a good maker, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can make things. Yeah, if I had to guess any character in Bloodborne would be good at cooking, it would probably be Garmin. We've been playing Apex Legends together. Yes. I don't really know much of the characters' names, nor their personalities much, but Gibraltar is definitely a good cook. Like, that's what, pretty why? obvious, right? Reasoning. Reasoning? He he cares about everyone on his team, right? Like, his, his, his yeah. dialogue is all very, like... Jovial. Lot, jovial. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He likes taking care of people, so he, that guy is definitely someone who's, like, throwing parties or inviting people over for dinner and stuff. And he yeah, wants to have a home cooked m- meal for him. Like, dude's good at cooking. Like, that's pretty obvious. Bloodhound cooks a lot, but it's always bad. Like, it's I don't like, think it's like they... frontier food, right? Yeah, they're always like... on the run. Like, they're just yeah. I feel, eat like, raw. I feel like they'd yeah. I feel like they they'd really go for anything anything that's available. So they've gotten really good at just like preparing what they have, but mm-hmm. nothing like it's not it's not cuisine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's like it's just food. Yeah, yeah, they've never heard of salt. That's like for sure. Like... Salt. <laughs> <laughs> they're funny. like, what's this? <laughs> they're they're a very good sport when it comes to to killing people. So I'd say <laughs> that they don't know anything about salt. I like Bloodhound. I also like Wraith. I think I think Wraith is probably really bad at cooking. Probably because she reminds me of Raven. And in an episode of Teen Titans, uh, she tries to make uh, pancakes. Because, like, it's the end of the world that she's trying to make, like, a good day for her friends. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah. That I love good. Teen Titans. Oh I love goodness. Teen Titans so much. But, yeah, so she tries to make pancakes and they're really bad. But Starfire likes them because she's an alien. What other games have I been playing? Persona? I just downloaded Hitman. Oh, Agent um, 47. Good at cooking for sure. Why? Because he's someone who methodically can execute a plan, but if things go wrong... He knows how to improvise. It's true. He also has to pretend to be a cook in a lot of situations. It's true. It's true. He's definitely a world-class chef. Knows how to poison and how not to poison. <laughs> <laughs> how to po- Do you think he knows how to prepare uh, blowfish? There's a, there's a level where you have to prepare blowfish. Really? Oh, like, my god! literally, I, are you... <laughs> is I that just off the cuff? I because only just literally... downloaded the full season. Yeah, I, did, I haven't played the full thing yet. I've only played the first level of the first season. So. Okay, well, the first season ends with one of the ways you can kill in the you oh my God, do your totally assassination is, is yeah you, you yeah. prepare blowfish for someone who just they're just they really want to have blowfish and everyone's like no it's dangerous you can't and she's just like <laughs> i want blowfish and you're like all right here you oh go my gosh. <laughs> doom guy from doom 2016 good cook bad cook uh he's too busy destroying things so I think he could really just demolish like a deep dish pizza, but I don't think he could like make it. Yeah. I think he could yeah. sit down and just like crunch on all that food, just like grab it with his fists. And just, mm. But yeah, just I don't Kirby think he could, that he dish up. Food. <laughs> Doom, Doom guy and Kirby could be friends. I can see that. Cooking 
is like making a game, right? Yes. I love to use cooking metaphors. When we were working on Chambara and I was trying to figure out some of the UX stuff, like we were, we were working together on like the menus and things, right? And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we do is the, the levels and the stages were presented on plates, right? That's true. We did do that. Because when we were talking, the metaphor we were sort of going with is just like the, the menu is literally a menu. A menu. Right? And each stage is a different dish, and they all need to be good because we don't know who's going to order what, but they all need to be to taste. It's got to be something that you want to come back to and like, I want to try all of these things. And you can order like a full course, like you've got a buffet tray that you can just load them all, pile them onto <laughs> onto your tray, and then like that yeah. was like definitely like one of our working metaphors of like trying to understand like the structure of the game was like it doesn't look like a restaurant. The only visual signifier that we were even thinking about food when we were doing it was that the levels show up on plates. But I think it's often a very useful metaphor because games can be uh, nonlinear in a lot of cases, and it's like how how is someone gonna gonna interact with this? How do how do we want to treat it? And as a creator, when you're making something. It's useful to think of something as uh, as food because... Everybody understands food. Because everybody understands food. And um, because games are interactive, it's very much like about the player's like experience. And the other metaphor we were sort of working with while we were doing that game, since it's a competitive multiplayer game, is like the game has to be like the table that the players are like conversing. They're having a good evening over this game, right? Mm-hmm. It's more about like the conversation that friends will be having with each other, the relationships going on between the people playing the game. And the game is just the the bedrock for that. It is literally the table on which the meal is sort of placed on. So it needs to be sturdy, it needs to be solid, but it doesn't need to draw too much attention to itself because it's not the object of conversation. The people playing it should be talking about each other and talking to each other. And it's just the mm-hmm. the It needs to be a bridge, the bridge to connect people. But yeah. it can't be a bad bridge because when the food's bad... Like that's distracting, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's then you're just, just talking, talking about, the, about food. the bad food. Like you're not, you're not, you're not having an experience with each other and like learning about each other in that situation. So yeah, you want to be. Yeah. This is good food. Now tell me about your day, right? Like that's, yeah, that's the think, ideal dinner situation. I think as a challenge to ourselves, this episode we should only we should try and use as many food metaphors as possible. Food theme. Food theme. What What have you been up to these last two weeks? Um, have you been making well, I've stuff? actually I've actually been up to a lot. Um, I I made a music video. It was a birthday card. This music video you made as yes. a birthday gift. You told yes. me a little bit about the process of making that, and I think it's relevant, even though it's not like an interactive game. Like it was a, it was pretty cool, pretty incredible, pretty cool piece of digital media. So like, tell me about how that like came together. Like yeah, so it was Kathy Trang's birthday, and I was just kind of hanging out on my computer. I had somewhere to be in the early afternoon, so I sat down and was like, all right, I have a couple hours. I'll do my taxes. But then I went on Discord and Kathy was saying like, hey, there's going to be a get together at my place. So I decided to spend the next five hours just jamming together a, a birthday card in Unity. And uh, I'm, I'm shocked I was able to, to get it out so quickly because um, I had a very limited amount of time. So I the first thing I did actually, I opened up Maya, modeled uh, a low poly Kathy, uh, <laughs> Put it into Mixamo, got some animations out of that, um, put that into Unity, and then just used Playmaker to time out some camera movements. And it, it turned out really well, and I'm like really proud of it. And Kathy loved it, and I think it was a success. And then I did my taxes a few days later instead. And then I went to D&D. Yeah, and it came together like so quickly. Yeah. And so you've been also doing a lot of D&D too, right? I don't 
really have that much to say about D and D. I, I think a lot of people. There's so many different ways to play D and D, and so many different approaches you can take. And I, f- I feel like I get really bored with D and D when it comes down to rolling dice and well, not not necessarily rolling dice, but like combat and taking turns going around the table. Like, oh, I hit this thing. Oh, I hit that thing. It's like, oh, I died. Okay, whatever. I just that that part really bores me. What, what I find really interesting. Like, the most fun D&D gets for me is when we're solving, like, riddles or puzzles or talking to a character and getting information out of them or, like, exploring a world or something. In general, whenever a game comes down to just numbers, I get really, really bored. So (laughs) there are are players who play D&D who are all about just optimizing their build and making the coolest, most powerful character. And then when people just start, like... I've had people, like just start spouting all their stats at me like trying to impress me with their character i'm just like i i don't i don't care <laughs> like what does your character look like what's his backstory mm-hmm. that's what i'm interested in um but yeah what have you been up to this these past uh, couple weeks i was working on continuing working on the ui stuff for the investigation game and trying to fix all the things i broke while i was doing that <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a chance to to poke around at the thing that I, I sent over? Yeah, it's really cool. It, it's really hard to use with a mouse, but it, it took me a second to realize I couldn't just click the but the click the uh, dialogue options. I had to swipe them. So uh, to to explain to our listeners, the buttons I have in my game are not just pressed down on it and the reaction happens. But you have to. It's it's imagined for a mobile device, and so what you have to do is you have to swipe across the button, and it fills in um, as you're doing it. And so uh, the reasoning behind that, I, I didn't want the player to have to confirm any action. I didn't want to have any "Are you sure?" like mm-hmm. pop-ups or anything like that. But I wanted the I wanted the actions to be like clear. But because they're consequential and the player is like spending resources to do these things, I wanted it to make sure that like the for sure the player is doing it deliberately, like not going to accidentally hit yeah. anything. And so I was like, okay, the best way to solve that is if the player has to do more of an action in order to do it. So like swiping through a thing was very natural in the way that Mm -hmm. um, the player is interfacing with everything in this game by swiping between different characters, swiping up and down to like see the journal and stuff. And like that's built off of like ebook readers where to change the page, you'll swipe right to left or left to right um, to, to change those pages. And so I'm trying to build that as like the core mechanical action to everything possible but again it's hard to like feel it correctly when it's just a mouse and keyboard mm-hmm. um, however I, I can i can imagine what it's like on, on like a, a mobile device i feel like the the swiping action on the actual selections could present a problem on really small screens where you'd be going for an action but then you accidentally turn the page mm-hmm. um, and then you have to go back yeah. redo it um so in those cases i think like a button hold might might work a little better okay but okay. i could do that too actually it could work both ways where as it's being held down the, the, the button is the, yeah the that progress bar is filling up yeah. but also if you swipe it that's a faster way to just immediately mm-hmm. fill it that's, that's probably what i would do just because you already have functionality for left and right uh-huh. uh, and people could accidentally do the wrong thing i do wish i knew where i was in the list of characters Oh, so maybe some yeah. kind of okay, indication you know. of like like a a pip on the top of the screen for each for each character and like whatever one you're on is currently highlighted. That is a great idea. Good feedback. What's oh Skip is a character, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have different <laughs> character names I need to swap 
those out with yeah skip is like too much of like a video game term like that means too much besides the name yeah (laughs) sometimes i i don't swipe enough so it just snaps back to the previous yeah that's something i'm trying to work on too like uh make sure it lurps back and stuff that stuff ends up being more complicated than i was like initially like prepared to deal with but slowly putting it together so the other thing that's happening that uh doesn't show up super well in this demo because i'm still in the process of uh hooking things up it's like the days can progress people will die there's no way to tell who died though um because oh. i don't have that information going oh, through you, the you text do? Yet. you could have their page like ripped out of the, ripped oh, out of the book. oh shoot that's a good idea oh i'm gonna do so write that cool. down or oh. like redacted or something I'm, I'm excited to finish hooking it up with the gameplay systems i've already built and i made some other behind the scenes changes where the names and the body text and like all the character information is stored in a google sheets on like a google oh, drive nice and so you really easy just edit just edit it there and it will automatically update and change into the game i'm still hooking up like some of the stuff from there but like i can edit this game on my phone now like if i have character ideas i can be writing that on my phone on the google on the google drive and then when i launch the game it will automatically download it and um and update and bring in all the all those changes for for everything text-based that's awesome was that really hard to set up or was it just tedious um it kind of came about as an accident as i was researching some other stuff and i like started stumbling into this and it's used for like i'm using some hack together localization code um and i've already got a, a localization package installed in the game like from the very start of like working on this i was like I'm going to make sure everything is using the text mesh pro so I can like uh, do fancy stuff with the text if I need to and make sure like it's always crisp and stuff. And I'm also going to have a localization package so that um, as I'm filling in text, it'll be easily tabulated so that um, put all the text out ready for like translation and stuff in case I want to do it. It's just like that'd be hard to do in like retrofit. So like even yeah. if I never do that, I was like, I want to make sure I'm doing the process right. <laughs> Especially since yours is such a text heavy game. Like mm-hmm. having that set up beforehand is going to be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a tough decision. Like, uh, and this was happening like before we started recording the podcast. But like when I was starting, I was like, I spent like a week just like agonizing over like, okay, should I try to be doing this right from the beginning? Like really take the time to make sure all these systems are like set up and working the entire way through development because it'll be hard to do it later or should i just like not worry about that like let's just make the game like make the prototypes like test things out and stuff but um i chose to to go about this hopefully doing it the the right way from the start but some things i definitely regret that i should have done from the start and didn't do is even when you're working on solo projects y'all y'all learn from my errors use version control when you're working on just solo projects that's good advice because what's happened is i have accumulated so much junk scripts in my project because i don't want to delete these things that like we're working we're very important i'm not using them anymore but i still have scenes that are using them like when i want to try like something new i'll make a new scene and i'll like shoot i can't use this script i'm gonna i don't want to change it and get rid of it so i'm gonna make a brand new script so now i have like notebook.cs which is very different from journal.cs even though they are trying to fulfill the same function they're in completely different systems with interface with completely different things this was a mistake if i was using version control i would let myself be deleting things and it is a huge mess now and everyone is it too late to start using it now no maybe i don't (laughs) it's not no i should i should 
I hope people are listening to this and like groaning and like screaming at like how horrible <laughs> the idea is that I have a notebook.cs and a journal.cs, but this is a hell of my own making and I deserve all ire that could be thrown towards me. <laughs> so if you were, if you were to start using version control now, what would you use? Like I should be using Git probably. I don't yeah. know Git super well. I've used it a couple of times. I'm like way more familiar with like the workflow with Perforce and stuff. And I like how it hooks into Unity so you can tell which things you have checked out, which things you don't. But if I'm working by myself, that's not as important because uh, I'm not file sharing and um, version control. It's it's useful so that different people can be working on the same project by having different files checked out and stuff. But if I'm the only person working on it, I don't need to worry about keeping track of like who has what files. So we should probably describe a little bit what version control is, and I'm not even sure I can I can really competently do it. But basically, uh... <laughs> let's try to use food metaphors. So oh, yeah, 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 food metaphor. Okay, so it's a buffet, right? That's that's the whole game project, right? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. In this in this metaphor, the people eating the food are the players, but the cooks, yeah, the cooks. are the game developers. That's right. That's so right. You need you need to prepare a buffet. All the plates already exist. Um, and there's maybe some food on there already, but like you want to add something to that. D- Hold on, this is a bad. <laughs> so the whole buffet is the game project, um, but it's not ready yet, mm-hmm. right? Like there's food on there, mm-hmm. but there's still some work to be done before <laughs> it's ready to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, and without version control, you would basically have to take every plate back to the kitchen which is, in this metaphor, <laughs> your copy of Unity or whatever game engine you're using on your computer and your kitchen. <laughs> um, so without version control, you would all, all the whole buffet just exists in the kitchen and it's just, it's just there. But, and there's just one cook who could access it. <laughs> hold on, hold on, I'm almost there. You almost got it, just stick the landing. <laughs> But with version control, you can just pick up one plate. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so, so with version control, um, if you need to make a change to just one of the dishes, um, which in this metaphor is one of the files, for example, let's say... Um, you got the fajita platter. So, <laughs> so say you, you need to alter the character controller script. Um, Rather than just, that's one of the. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need help? Do you need a hand? So with version control, all you need to do is just pick up one of the plates and bring it back to the kitchen, rather than picking up the whole buffet. Okay, that's. I tried so hard, and I got so far. Okay, so let's say that you've got um, you've got a plate. Does it... <laughs> okay, you try. Okay, so you've got a plate of uh, Brussels sprouts. Brussels. Okay, so you've got some Brussels sprouts. Okay, specifically, they're like grilled Brussels sprouts with a bit of bacon on them. Or right, the good it's one. Like, but it's, it's that dish. But you're like, you taste it, and you're like, this ain't quite right. Needs salt. Needs salt. But you're like, but maybe it doesn't need salt. Maybe what this needs is a tiny bit of, like, paprika or something on it. Sure. So what you do with version control is you take some of the Brussels sprouts 
and you put salt on them and if you're like this is good then you can take all of the brussels sprouts and put salt on all of them oh you know what yeah that's actually more you can also fork the project and like fork that's all about food right wait are you talking about like branching the project yeah okay so let's say i think it needs salt and you think it needs paprika so i take half these brussels sprouts but because this is code it's infinite brussels sprouts so my plate of brussels sprouts is just as big as your plate (laughs) and i put salt on mine and you put paprika on yours and all of a sudden we exist in two separate kitchens um (laughs) can i make an alteration to this metaphor go for it the cooks have the power to clone food just like (laughs) pick up the plate and there's a plate of brussels sprouts but there's like also another like the same plate of brussels sprouts on the it's just a clone of it right you getting all this mania skeleton (laughs) this making sense to you this food metaphor is falling apart so you take the Brussels sprouts and you can clone them. <laughs> That's how video games. <laughs> so, um. I think we all learned something today. <laughs> <laughs> so, in studios with, with a lot of people working on the same game can't all just have the game files on their computers. The game files are hosted on a server somewhere. And the server's like a giant oven. Like, no, it's like the fridge, it's like a pantry. It's a frantry. It's a fridge pantry. Do those exist? Is that a thing? No, it's a, it's a, just a pantry, okay? It's a pantry. I think it should be a fridge. <laughs> because okay. I'm worried the food is going to spoil if you leave it in the pantry. But with like a big game, oh my god, I can't, I can't explain version control. It's just, it's not happening. <laughs> you know what? Just Google it. You'll probably get a better answer. <laughs> version control allows... Many people to work on the same game project without waiting for each other to finish with the files. That's it. Okay, it's <laughs> it's essential for, for it's essential for game development, whether you're AAA or indie or whatever. Unless you're a solo person, you maybe don't need it. Except you do because we just made that point and I forgot and I'm, I'm a dummy. <laughs> um, even if you're solo, you you do need it um, because why, Esteban? Because otherwise you will just keep recreating the same scripts over and over again and get confused whether you're talking to an NPC or a character because I named both of them these things and the NPCs oh. are the new ones. Characters was what I used to call them because that's a much more sensible name. However, I can't get rid of that script yet. So now I've got these two scripts. The other great thing about version control is that if you screw up the project, you can revert to an old version mm. of the project. Mm-hmm. So... Um, when you, whenever you check in a, a, a change, it makes like a new version of the project, basically. And if that change screwed something up, just like revert that file back to what it was before it screwed things up. Yeah, it's like you pull out that baked casserole out of the oven, and you're like, oh no, no, <laughs> that that's not that's not right. It and gives you, you can, a time machine. Yeah, you go back to the fridge and you pull out that Tupperware of unbaked casserole, <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna do it right this time. So that's that's version control. <laughs> <laughs> for dummies <laughs> or maybe buy dummies I don't it, know. yeah it, you know it takes one to know one you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm defeated i can't talk about this anymore <laughs> okay so let's talk about the future what are you what are you planning on doing for uh for the future what, what do you want to make next what's a um i'm trying to figure out what direction to take Remoon? Because 
originally my plan was to remake Harvest Moon A Wonderful Life with more polish and more content, basically. Um, but there are games who have already done that to great effect, like Stardew, for example. And people love those games. But the thing about Stardew is that it's like, it's a simulation game, right? It's all about optimizing your farm and making your numbers go up. When it, when a game comes down to that, I just I just become so uninterested, right? Like I stopped playing Stardew recently because I I I got to know all the characters. I I uncovered I I discovered basically all the areas of the world you could get to. And then all that was really left for me to do was to keep grinding to to uh, optimize my farm and make more money and upgrade it more and everything like that. And there's just like there's just no end to it. It's just it's it's it feels like grinding for grinding sake, right? And that's I mean, people love that, and and it's great. It, it's cool to see your farm slowly evolve over time. But like, that's not really what appeals to me about Harvest Moon. What appeals to me is the world itself and exploring the world and getting to know the characters and and things like that. So so trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I. So I've got I've got two thoughts. Yeah. About this on on ways that that could uh turn into how how to go forward and what what sort of thing you want to do next one is that uh i had like a very similar like impulse towards that um a few years ago and that led to me making a game called like eight by eight where Mm -hmm. it's just a world where you explore and you like talk to things and it was like i just wanted to build like a tiny little town a little city that was just full of things that you could like talk to and they'd say things uh and it was a super like self-indulgent project in that like as a player there wasn't very much reason to go through and do any of these things it was just like i wanted to make this sort of thing so i made it Um, you do it for your own enjoyment yeah and so um even though i haven't like put that game out out there much like it's possible to 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 find it i think it's still like my itch or something it was still useful as like a stepping stone towards being like okay i know how to do some like those parts towards that and like it felt good and scratching like an itch that i really wanted like scratched in terms of like making something but the other thought that i have in a totally different direction is that maybe instead of coming at things uh structure first which was very much like uh how we were talking about things with like um coming up with like what the flow chart is going to be for the game loop and stuff what might be better and more useful for an approach for you is to just figure out like what are some pleasurable actions because I think that you're really good at that. You're really good at figuring out just like small moments of like this feels good to do it. It feels good to like pet this dog like this and I can build something all around it. And then let the structure emerge from what makes those interactions like like that supports those interactions the best. Because uh if you look at something like Mario, like they had they they had figured out like, okay, it feels good to like jump on a thing and mm-hmm. to try to like jump over a thing. And then the structure emerged very much of just like how can we make those actions more like in in their best most pleasurable form it's like all right let's make a very long linear level where you're going through and you're doing this sequence of challenges those levels will then be sequenced and stuff like that structure very much emerges and how to best support the action itself uh that -hmm. you're doing in things and um so maybe it'd just be good to to just play around with just some some gameplay and figure out what actions feel good i think that's what i'm gonna do i've actually i've started i started by basically i have i have a scene open right now in unity that's me kind of kind of uh, starting with that. I, I've made a really simple like first person character controller and essentially I'm I'm recreating uh my Winter Woods game <laughs> in three D. Really? Um just as like just as like a 
just to see how it would feel and if it's like the direction I want to go. Yeah, if you can um, capture the same tone and texture and and mood. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that I think that's a good thing for me to start with. I, the actual like inner the, the actual actions that I want to do, I'm still not sure about, but um yeah, just make a world yeah. that like feels cool to hang out in. Like I think yeah. that that's what you want to spend your time doing and you should you should uh follow what you think you you would enjoy being in and making. Additionally, I'm going to try and use no colors. Whoa, monochrome. That's pretty bold. That's yeah, pretty... I'm going back to my Chambara roots. <laughs> <laughs> after, after I finished working on Chambara, I was like, man, I really just want to work in color again. But, like, <laughs> I'm not that good at color. Oh. Like, really? I... I I I I'm more I'm way more satisfied with any any work any visual work I've done. I get I'm more proud of the things that are like more monochrome, really, and more about just like the black and white. I thought the pet that um, dog had really good color. I thought your bento box thing had really good color. Like, but I never consider that like a weakness of yours. But hey, you wanna you wanna you wanna roll around in some monochrome? Hell yeah! Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of just curious like how far I can go with it. How long can I go without using like? any color like i'll have, i of course have like debug colors and stuff but i'm trying i want to see if i can make a game that's just that's just black and white are you gonna are there gonna be grays too oh yeah there's gonna be okay. gradients for sure <laughs> like gradients are a must okay yes yeah, yeah as as i think we learned while working on our monochrome game <laughs> yeah i i got i got gradients into the sky which which were very good what do you think um you're gonna do with your time um, I will probably just keep on rolling with uh, this current UI thing. I'm going to be hopefully fixing a lot of code in terms of just uh, cleaning house, <laughs> get some version control and delete some stuff. Cause, uh, yeah, get, get version God. control, like delete some scripts. If it breaks, like fix it, I guess. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much progress it's going to look like, uh, but I also have something small I'm going to try to put together the next week. I'm going to start this afternoon and see how it goes. Is this that weird thing you were telling me about yesterday? I have unlocked some extremely cursed code. Okay. It's like a Pandora's box that once I open this, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm kind of worried for my own safety. I'm going to keep it a secret until I show it to you, and then oh you can boy. try to figure out how I did it. <laughs> okay. But it's uh, it's extremely cursed. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, okay, I'm excited to see what that is. I hope hopefully it works. My fingers crossed that I'm able to able to actually pull this wicked thing off. You know, the last person to try this thing I'm gonna try turned into that skeleton back there. <laughs> it turned into Manny. Manny the skeleton. Oh man. I like I really like having a, a skeleton mascot, but we don't include video with our podcasts. They'll feel it. They'll feel the, the evil aura. <laughs> <laughs> the haunting. All right, we should probably wrap up, right? We've been we've been talking for a bit. It was great. It was great catching up to everyone listening. Make sure you tell your loved ones that you care about them, and make sure you back up your computers. Oh, I don't do that. You should back up your computer, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get and version control and get version control. Cook uh, some good food. Cook some good games. Google version control if you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we've done you a disservice by trying to describe it. Well, we hope everyone listening had a good time. We definitely did. And we'll catch you guys in a couple couple weeks. All right. Bye. Goodbye. We're so sorry, skeletons. You're so misunderstood. You only 